Welcome to Trust Company Talks with Bill Noble and Burke Coons. Good morning, and welcome to Trust Company Talks with Bill Noble and Burke Coons. Good morning, Bill. How are you? Mr. Coons, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. It's good to be here. It is good to be here. It's good to, as, as Keith Richards says, it's good to be anywhere, It's right? good to be anywhere. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. It's just good to be above ground. That's and, right. And just out there investing money. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of investing, we're here with our Chief Investment Officer, Dan Tolome, and he is... Uh, I would point out our very first repeat guest on the program, so we're glad to have Dan here. Honored, honored to be here, Burke. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, Mr. Talmay, glad to have you. We thought it'd be a great way to start the year, bringing in our investment guru, and excited to to be part of it and to yeah. kick off twenty twenty four. Yeah, indeed, glad, glad to have you. Well, I thought we would kind of get started. Just it, this is framed as our we we don't make specific forecasts, but we are going to talk about the state of the markets and. And you know how we're kind of positioned going into the next year, and uh, and the way we kind of see things playing out, hopefully. And um, and yeah. So anyway, it's it's interesting. Like you know, a year ago at this time, we were all sitting here uh, a little bit shell shocked after you know what had been a particularly rotten year in the markets. Um, and uh, and now you know everything's back to as Al McGuire used to say, what seashells and and uh, and, and seahorses or sea, seashells and candy canes. <laughs> so and of course that's great. We're, we all like to see the markets up and the and portfolios do well. Um, but you know we're we're kind of back to where we were in, in the sense that you know markets aren't particularly inexpensive. Yeah, no, it's it's very interesting, Burke. It's been an interesting um, last couple of years, as you said, with the. Uh, kind of larger declines uh, that we saw in 22 and then the strong recovery in 23. But, uh, you know, I think you, you make a good point. I mean, the, the impact uh, not only on the broad market, but uh, on, on what kind of what's driven the market up this year and, and what the impact has been on valuations and in those drivers and, and also the rest of the market. Well, you know, it's things have gotten rich again. I mean, we're, we're back up to, you know, not quite nosebleed levels where we were two years ago, but you can kind of see them from there. I mean, we're kind of in the upper deck. We may not be in the, at the top of the upper deck, but we're, we're back upstairs again. Um, but the good news, I guess, for an investor who's well diversified is that the market might not be – the market has has gotten more expensive, but it's really just been at the very tip-top in these mega-cap tech names associated with AI. That's that's very true. And as I said, that's that's kind of been the, the concentrated drivers of, of what propelled the market this year. Uh we got a stat here. I think it's was it eighty six percent of the of the price appreciation of the S and P uh, last year came from ten the top ten stocks, and and, uh, and the balance of of the S and P five hundred contributed only fourteen percent of the return. So, very uh, uh, top heavy market that's that drove drove a lot of the return in uh, in twenty three and and that has implications for kind of where we start twenty four. Right. Where, where valuations stand for those uh, top ten stocks and, and where the rest of the market. Uh, is priced right, right. So I mean, we're we're in a situation now where yes, the market's a little bit richer than normal, but it's really only in the top ten. I mean, at the end of the year, the you know, that that top ten was a, almost forty percent ex- more expensive than its you know than its traditional valuation. It's I mean, the top ten is like at twenty seven times earnings. The rest of the market is you know the, the remaining part of the market is you know like seventeen, which is actually a little bit of a discount to its historical average. So you know, I mean, how does that how does that where does that leave us? Well, it's, it's in, in a leading question. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a good question. We get we get it often. 
Um, well, no, I mean, I mean, as, as investors that, that tilt towards small cap and, and value stocks, it's, it's been frustrating to be in a market dominated by large cap growth stocks. Uh, but, but, you know, we continue to have conviction, high conviction in, uh, in our approach and our positioning, and that's uh, largely data-driven. You know, as Burke said at the outset, we don't make a lot of predictions, but we do look at data and we do, we do see there's, there's a very clear relationship between starting valuations and subsequent longer-term returns. And so, you know, and, and it's important to point out, too, I think we haven't missed out on, on these, these big names in the rally. We've, we've just, we've been tilted away from them, haven't maybe captured as much as maybe an index fund or, mm-hmm. or an, a manager who's, who's, more, who's got more exposure in that parts of the market. So I think, you know, it's, it's we're, we're at a place now where we're more optimistic uh, with, our, with our small cap and our value tilt because the valuations are more attractive um, and, and, and it's a little bit defensive, too, in the sense that those big names that have become so expensive, you know, if they do come down to earth and there's a reversion to the mean and their valuation, you know, we're not as exposed to those names. We're going to be uh, defensively positioned away from, you know, where the, the carnage could be. Right. Well, I mean, it's pretty astonishing to think about the fact that if you're, a, if you're an index investor and you're starting off buying, you know, a, an S&P 500 index fund that, you know— Fully a third, or almost exactly a third of that investment is going to be in ten stocks. You know, I mean that's 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 it's normal for a market cap weighted index to have uh, you know a higher weighting at the top, I and mean, that's what that's what a market weighted index is. But but thirty two, thirty three percent of the index being in ten stocks, that that's got to make it a little bit nervous, or makes me a little bit nervous as it relates to just those the, you know the AI names that are all like super exciting, but it's just hard to you know get super bulled up over you know that kind of setup. Yeah, and it's, it's also worth pointing out. Okay, so we're talking in January of 2024 right now, and I sat there and I was looking at it, it, um, Burke's most recent um, um, piece that he just put out about the markets, and and I was thinking about how. So we've got ten stocks who have driven this performance, and and so everybody's. Yeah, you know, I get questions all the time from people. You know, why, why, why wouldn't I just want to load up? Just, just go with the go with just large cap growth. Go with large cap S and P five hundred, and then then you always go back and ask and say, do, do you remember what the return was for the S and P five hundred between two thousand two thousand ten? And they all look. They have, most people can't tell me that, and it was zero. Yeah, mm-hmm. the lost decade. The lost decade. I mean, the people who are in the profession like we are know that it was a lost decade. So you. It, it, it goes, but it just goes back to our story of you still got to be you still got to be diversified, and you still gotta you gotta look for value when you can. I mean, we we had exposure to all those companies, we just haven't as much because mm-hmm. we believe in the long term dimensions of risk that we think create long term investment returns. Exactly, so. yeah. and it's you know I think and we we've gotten the question. It's a fair question of you know should we should we not put some more. Uh, uh, allocation towards larger growth if that's what's driving the market. And, of course, we don't know if it's going to continue for the next five days or five months or five years. And so, you know, so we do look at the valuations as, as our drivers on, on making those allocation decisions. Um, but, no, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a, a situation where um, – yeah, I mean, it's it's if, if you go back to where we were, it, you know, you talk about the lost decade. Yeah, I mean, the reason that it was a lost decade was because of what happened at the end, at the end of the nineteen nineties. Right. Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm 
I'm now I've got enough gray hairs to have said that. And then that, that and in 2000 and the end of 2000s too, and 2008 or nine too. So, right. Yeah. Right. Well, we you know we we lived through that. We lived through the mm-hmm. you know the, the pets dot com mm-hmm. era. You yep. know, and uh, sort of the dot com bubble. And and it's not like we're making a call that that's where we are right now. But you know if, if you if you look at you know if you look at like just say Russell three thousand growth person or Russell. I've actually done the, the math on the 1,000 I'll stick to what I've actually done but like if you look at the Russell 1,000 growth versus Russell 1,000 value I mean value has not been this inexpensive versus growth since the dot com bubble mm-hmm. and you know that just kind of again we're not we're not making a call that that you know that doom is around the corner but you know if if you're you know if if, if you're playing if you're playing long term poker you know I mean you got to feel pretty good about you know the the way that you're positioned if you've got if you're kind of leaning away from you know what's become a pretty, uh, you, know, from, you know, let's call it what it is. It's you know a, a bubble-like environment at least yeah. at the very top. And I think you know to uh, using data and, and kind of empirical research um, as we make these decisions. D- Dimensional, our friends at Dimensional Fund Advisors had a great piece that looks at uh, the, basically the performance of the stocks uh, that comprise the top ten before they enter the top ten. And then the performance after the fact, after they become part of the top ten, it's and and kind of coming back to this idea of do we want to try to you know hop on ride the wave a little bit at the end? Uh, what happens is these stocks have this huge run up, become part of the top ten, but then in subsequent periods they tend to underperform the market as a whole. And so th- having that discipline to uh, to not chase performance mm-hmm. and to stay in the parts of the market that are more attractively valued and and should provide us with higher returns going forward is. Is uh, again, it's borne out in the in the research and in the right. data, right? Well, I mean, everybody everybody's got a story about um, you know about the, the dot com bubble. Everybody's got a memory of you know of, of uh, you know buying Cisco or, or or Lucent or you know or, or you know JDS Uniphase. You know these were can't miss stocks back in the day, yep. and, and and you know and they're all fantastic companies. But you know, but if you if you bought Cisco. But you know, or even Microsoft at the, at the top, like you know, you're, you know, you, you, it's hard to do well when you're buying without you know any kind of margin of safety. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're you know, buying high, mm-hmm. well, yeah, that's, exactly. that's what you're. I mean, yeah. it's all that's what you, a lot of people are doing. They're well, getting on the ship late. Well, right? it's, it's all about how you buy. It's just like yeah. any, any other thing. And so you know, we've, you know, we feel good about our process. And it's not like we don't have those things. We in our our portfolios have got plenty of, of large cap growth, but but not as much as the S and P five hundred, right. which is basically you know a, a, a growth vehicle at this point almost. Right, and, and, and I think the other thing that's important to you know to to point out is that we are, uh, you know, we're certainly not bearish in any of these big names. I mean, there's there's no doubt Amazon is a great company. It's it's a disruptor. Uh, Apple, Tesla, these are all wonderful companies. Mm-hmm. They're going to be incredibly successful and profitable. It's not an issue with the company as much as it's the valuation that the company's trading at. The price you're paying for that opportunity has just become so high that we just don't feel comfortable uh, allocating as much of our investors' mm-hmm. money to that to that part of the market. Yeah. Right. The, the, one, one question I thought I wanted to ask you, Dan, and get your perspective and Burke, both of y'all's perspectives on this, because you know I've I've been in the business, gosh, over thirty years now, and you know and. and we actually have slides that we show in presentations, and and, and you know, and the question that I, I get this still today from, from day one since I started thirty years ago to where I am now from people. So we're talking about right now. We're talking about the, the companies are you know the 
NVIDIA. Yeah, yeah NVIDIA, you know, all, all, all the yeah, Tesla, you know, whatever, whatever you want to bring up, but the, those top 10 stocks. But I get the same question about every four years when there's some craze or there's some mania or there's some 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 something that's a little wonky with 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 as values are with every other stocks and people say is is it is it is it different this time mm-hmm. is is it you know should I be should I be loading the but you know is 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 it I think it's different this time and and you can we've got a slide that shows that you're all these different these are different events that happen that everybody thought those were different mm-hmm. also but ten, the market tends to it tends to come back, and it tends that you know value tends to come out and show its show its metal at certain points in time over 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 long terms of period. Sure. And if you're a long term investor, it makes sense. And I would just love to hear y'all talk about that in, in greater detail. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Um, I think you know, yes and no. Is it different this time? I mean, um, there's always something that changes the one constant. You know, that yeah. they say, and so there's always going to be disruptions in new technologies. Um, and if you look back over the years, I mean, it goes back to the introduction of the telephone or the introduction of uh, the railroad. Railroad, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go back yeah, even right. further. Um, but you know, then it's the internet, then it's AI, and these things are. There's no doubt; these things are are different and new and exciting, and it creates opportunity and excitement. But what's not different is being able to outsmart the market. I mean, I, th- I think we can agree that there's a lot of potential upside to artificial intelligence. Um, but as far as being able to pick the stocks that are going to be the identified winners that have that, that 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 hasn't already been priced into the marketplace, that's what's not different. The, 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 trying to outsmart the market is is the odds are never in your favor. Trying to outsmart the outsmart the wisdom of the collective marketplace. Mm-hmm. And so while the you know the the story changes a little bit, the the, the punchline, if you will, is, is is the same. Right. Right. And and then you know taking it a step further, I mean I think. And I was just Bill and I were actually both at the same presentation the other day. We were speaking with a you know, yeah. really smart guy from uh, from um, McKinsey. Fascinating. And, and yeah. it, it just seems it seems if you think through it that you know th- th- a huge benefit will accrue to a lot of companies from AI in, in terms of productivity, and it'll be an incremental positive. It'll be an incremental lift probably for corporate pro- corporate profits for you know some time. But but if you're maybe the way to express that is through you know a diversified set a group of, of companies that are going to benefit from that rather than, you know, piling into the one company that makes all the chips, which is going to do great. Mm-hmm. NVIDIA is going to do great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but the, the, the odds of, of success, you know, getting into, into that group uh, at this stage, uh, you know, it's just, a, it's just an uphill battle. I mean, I was looking at, you know, we, our best committee every uh, quarter, uh, and, and we look at it more frequently than that, is we, we, you know, we look at price to book at each of the major, you know, Equity asset classes, and so, yeah, I looked at where we were a year ago, and I remember we were all sitting going, "Like, God, you know, large cap growth is at eight times book. That is crazy, Who, you know." And now it's at twelve, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, know? or it was at nine, now it's at twelve. And, and so, you know, how long can this go? I mean, you know, what's the old saying is that market can remain, uh, you know, irrational longer than you can remain solvent. So we don't know, you know, yeah. when, when these things will change. But what we do know, you know, is that they, is, like you said, you know, change is constant, and mm-hmm. you know, as, as as the bloom comes off the rose, you know you'd rather be in a, in a in a diversified group. You know it's the classic sort of tortoise versus the hare parable, right? right. Where where you know you're you're going to benefit from AI as it lifts all the ships, rather than you know putting all your eggs in one basket and and, uh, uh, and trying to capture you know 
an effect, you know, that's reflected in stocks that have an AI theme. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and to me, as as a, it comes back to the to the. I think about. Now, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about speculating or are we talking about investing? And so, you know, our, as you know, with most of our clients, we we are our, our charge in most cases is preservation and growth, and it's mm-hmm. it's long. T- we're, we're investing for the long term with people. So, if people want to want to have, you know, have a speculative bucket and try and think they can figure out who are the companies that, are, that will that will be the huge winners from AI and you and you know that's a speculative bucket right there's nothing wrong with that if that's you want right. to try and do there's that nothing wrong with speculating there's nothing wrong with, with doing that but but know that you could lose a lot of money or, or it's, it's a lot higher volatility I mean but for the long term if you're trying to preserve and grow your wealth a, a, a thoughtful well diversified portfolio, with a value tilt, right? Based and, off, based and a small off, cap tilt. and a small cap tilt, <laughs> and a value tilt, and a value tilt, yeah, quality tilt, yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it is it has shown, although it's no guarantee for the future, but there's there is a lot of data. We you know what we call our approach is an evidence based approach, and there's a lot of data to support that if you tilt things towards towards those those descriptions we just talked about. Mm-hmm. That you're, you've got it, it increases your chances for right. a successful investment experience, yep. and um, um, so, well, and I think you hit on a great point in that it's not it's not that people go, oh, well, you know, we're just gonna, you know, be super safe and conservative and not right. take risk. It's like, I mean, that like, actually works better over the long term. Yeah, you know, to have these tilts, it's not like we're we're trying to preserve just for the sake of. Of you know limiting exposure to the market, we are trying to outperform the market, right? But, but it's but it's a different it's a different horizon, you know. I mean, we're trying to we're you know we we allow ourselves to go way out in the future and mm-hmm. you know and, and not uh, be beholden to you know to chasing performance. And so the benefit to that and to you know hopefully client portfolios is that it shows up in the data over the long term. And so it's not like we're not taking risk; we're just taking compensated risks. Mm-hmm. That's know, well put. Right. Which well is put. which is uh, you know, we're not trying to. We're not trying to, to avoid risk. We're just trying to avoid, you know, not getting paid for taking those risks right, or paying right. too much. Right, and it's and it's an expectation of that higher return. And I think that's the important word is expectation. It's you know, it's not a guarantee. I mean, we we know as value investors, there's there's reasons to philosophically believe in value over growth. Empirically, the data you know proves that value has has delivered over time. Yeah, it's um, you know, I mean, getting back to. Yeah, how concentrated this rally's been. I mean, yeah. you know, and looking at the same chart that we're, that we're always like, you know, talking about. It's it's not just that value is uh, is inexpensive versus growth. Although it is, it's just that each of these asset classes. Whether you talk about, you know, small growth is is actually not you know too terrifically overpriced. Um, it, it's just been that the, the the overall market is is actually you know well within its sort of normal range. It's just we have this huge outlier at the top and, and that's kind of what makes us all a little bit nervous about it and, and and a lot of things you know i mean a lot of things go into stock price movements i mean it's just it's human nature and so over over the short term over a one-year period you know we talk about this all the time over one year period you know, valuation matters a little but there's a lot of things that move stocks you know i mean there's earnings there's macro um but the longer time horizon that you look at if you take it out five years 
you know, like very clearly, you know, you would, you know, you're going to do better having, you know, paid less for a basket of socks than more. And it's borne out, you know, in the data that, you know, it's like we said earlier, I mean, it's, it's how you buy. And, and so, you know, while we wouldn't advocate blowing out, you know, at any given point, you know, we, we just don't want to get too far out of our skis as it relates to this one group. So, Bert, talk a little bit about um, international emerging markets uh, or Dan, either either one of you. But I, I, your piece that I, I read your piece just the other night is great. And um, talk a little bit about that and, and why you know when when people see these all these American companies in in the you know in the S P five hundred doing so well, why should they still want to have some international or some emerging markets things of that nature in their portfolio in their port in their portfolio. Right. Well, I mean, excuse me. Again, and Dan, feel free to chime in. I mean, it's it, again, it's the same argument. It's, it's valuation. Yeah. I mean, we're right. we're at these historical uh, moments where I mean, we're two standard deviations away from the mean in terms of uh, internationals attractiveness versus uh, versus the U.S. You know, both in terms of dividend yield and price to book. And so, you know, it's just difficult to ignore that that, that you know the tide is increasingly. You know, sloshed in the favor of the U.S. shores, and so, you know, as as believers in you know that you can outperform the market by having a um, a, a diversified portfolio that inc- that includes uh, you know, that's going to reduce your overall volatility. You know, like we pay attention to that, and while we're not we're not overweight international, I mean, we do continue to advocate for having international exposure because of valuation, I mean, and and it's really the same force, in my opinion, that's this you know this driven. Performance in the U.S. is is tech, and there's just not a lot of, of you know, amazing or there's there's not a lot of tech companies overseas. There are some, you know, that command these massive valuations that are that that are big enough to move the needle. And so you, you know, that's I, I think it's really the same forces. You know, this caused tech or excuse me, growth to do well versus value, um, as as domestics done well versus international. Everybody's chasing these these names, and so. You know, as we see that mean aversion, Dan. I mean, don't you think that you know that will that seems like a a you know a reason why international might you know begin to <laughs> to take hold. We've seen it for a while, but but uh, right, yeah. But that's that's the theory anyway. It, no, exactly. It, it's the same thing. It's a valuation story. We're going to look as as Burke noted. Our investment committee. When we get together, we're looking at relative valuations, and we're looking at. Uh, you know, is the U.S. has it become frothy relative to other parts of of the market where there's where's it, there's the vast majority of um, you know of, of the uh, market is, uh, is is international, and so you know to ignore that, especially when it's more attractively priced, I think would be would be foolish. Right. Um, but no, I, the other thing I point out, you know, Burke or, or excuse me, Bill noted earlier that the lost decade, and you know, the other part of that story is the S and P was flat for those ten years. And if you wanted a return, a global investor would have experienced a positive return because exactly. you would have had the diversification of, especially at that point, emerging markets really carrying the uh, the load of, of a globally uh, diversified equity portfolio. Uh, I, I think in addition to valuations, too, the other thing I think that's worth keeping an eye on is the impact of the dollar. Uh, if you look at, you know, with the Fed aggressively raising interest rates, that was very supportive of a strong dollar, mm-hmm. which as a U.S. investor holding foreign shares, that becomes a headwind for you because the dollar is appreciating right. your, your shares that are denominated in foreign currency are, are falling. But with the Fed expected to shift into more of an easing mode, you know, if, if that takes some support away from the dollar, you start to see foreign currencies appreciate as a U.S. investor in foreign shares, you could get that could become a tailwind for you. So another reason, I think, to be optimistic about international 
uh, to markets as, as an American investor. Right, right. Well, you brought up a great point, kind of the, you know, outside of AI, the other big story for the year last year, 23, was was you know, kind of the, the Fed pivot. I mean, just as it seemed that, uh, that the, the, the higher for longer camp was really kind of taking hold sort of in, you know, in July and August, um, you know, things begin, you know, suddenly we got a couple of dovish CPI prints and now, and then all of a sudden it was Katie bar the door, you know, the fed's going to be done and, and it ignited this massive rally. And we actually saw, we, we saw, you know, value do well, um, you know, during that period. Uh, but we also saw, um, small caps do well. I mean, Dan, talk about why, you think maybe small caps might benefit from a lower interest rate environment? Yeah, sure. So I think it's it's a big a big part of it is kind of the debt load story. Mm-hmm. I think small caps having uh, kind of historically having a little more uh, debt on their balance sheet uh, in a in a lower interest rate environment that obviously brings down their financing costs. And so if, if we anticipate rates coming down, you know that lowers their their financing costs, increases their profitability, and makes them more attractive, uh, maybe relative to large caps, which may not be carrying as much of a debt load. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a real world reason out there, you know, why the market would immediately be, begin to price in, you know, better performance from, you know, the, the smaller end of the spectrum. Just, you know, they're, yeah. they're less expensive, and also, you know, there's they they were impacted more as rates began to rise. You know, they'd probably likely benefit, uh, you know, from a, from a lower interest rate environment. Exactly. Exactly. And from a and from a, I don't want to say a layman's perspective, but from a from a general investor's perspective i think there's a lot of there's there's still a lot of people that i talk to that don't don't realize that over the long term really historically uh small cap stocks have been the best performing asset class sure and and most most people don't know that um most people they want to be in you know the big american companies because they know them and they see them every day and all that and but still even even with all the great returns, I mean, I mean, what the S, what the S P do last year? Uh, twenty six, twenty six, and and Nasdaq did like forty three, something mm-hmm. like that, which is mostly tech. Um, but uh, small cap still stills the winner over the for, long haul for the on the, for the long right. haul, and that's what we're doing. So, right. um, well, I think you know that's a good point too because I think as investors sometimes we have short memories. Yeah, you know, we, very we short at, memories. At large, uh, actually, excuse me, I'm looking at just the broad growth market was up forty percent last year, and people see that and they say, "I want to, you know, I want a piece of that forty percent return value, value only to twelve, say." Um, but what we forget very quickly is what happened in twenty two. If, if we look at what growth stocks did in, in uh, twenty twenty two, they were off twenty nine percent. Right, and there's that that cruel math of of returns. Where you know if you lose half your money, you have to double your money right. to get back to where you right. started. And so, it, yes, growth had a good year in '23, but a lot of it was was making up the ground it lost in '22. And it's again, it's that volatility comment that Bill made earlier right. of, of having kind of more eggs in that basket. You're exposing yourself to more concentrated portfolio, more volatility, and uh, it's it's certainly not uh, guaranteed to continue as as it has. Right. I mean, even though the Nasdaq was up. 43, 44% last year, it didn't make it all the way back versus what it lost the year before. Yeah, I mean, it was you know, down I mean, 32% I mean, right, in I mean, 22. Right. So. I mean, tech's been great. I mean, the growth has been great you know, ever since we've been in this, you know, sort of oppressively low interest rate environment. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but, you know, as you said, you know, the cruel math is the cruel math. And, you know, if you, you know, if, if you, if you bought in January one, you know, two years ago, you know, you're still underwater. Right. That's right. <laughs> so, that's that's right. tough. Yeah. That's tough. A couple other questions I would like to ask 
my two colleagues who are who are resident investment gurus is the, the questions that I hear a lot when I'm out talking with um, clients and prospective clients and just people who just like to they know the business I'm in and they just like to ask questions about what's going on in the markets are um, and you you touched on it earlier Burke but I think it'd be worth addressing is the, the effect of the Fed how, how is has it become a bigger gorilla in the room with regard to what drives investment returns and a lot of, I still get a lot of questions from people we talked about international emerging markets but what is the role China what do y'all I mean what are y'all's thoughts about China's role in the in the future of the investment world I would love to hear y'all's perspectives on sure, that yeah uh, well I'll, I'll start with the Fed um, you know I, I think if you look at what really what part of what the Fed was trying to do uh, over you know a lot of the past decade was by pushing down interest short-term interest rates where basically there was no yield available uh, and also the quantitative easing they were forcing folks into equities which was supportive of the equity market and now as they've pivoted to more of a tightening stance and, and rates have come up meaningfully uh, you know folks are all of a sudden saying maybe I don't need to hold as much equity now I can get a guaranteed you know, four percent on a, on a ten-year treasury, right? And so I think you know the the Fed's actions certainly impact that equity uh, or, or stock, or excuse me, equity or, or bond allocation to, to some folks, kind of at the margin. So it's like we've seen a lot of our foundations and endowments go from maybe sixty forty rates went down, they went to you know, maybe sixty five thirty five or seventy thirty because they needed right. to to juice the return to to meet their payouts. Uh, but I think a lot of folks are looking at it now saying, now that the Fed has raised rates a little bit, bonds are paying kind of more traditional fixed income rates, we can dial back our equity maybe, uh, take more make, take more fixed income exposure, get that, get that guaranteed yield, and, and dial down the volatility at the same time. Right. Right. I mean, a, a, lot, of our envir- a lot of our endowment clients, had, and really not just our clients, but they just in the endowment world, you know, the whole... 60-40 model that really kind of become the 70-30 model mm-hmm. and, and that's and that's great and actually over the long term that's you're probably going to have you're going to have a, a you know a better long-term return there but but you may encounter periods where you know where the market's dramatically down and you know you want to make sure that you're able to to make gifts at your you know your standard distribution level and so um it's actually been it's been comforting i think for the you know a couple of the boards i sit on actually see um you know see these higher yields in fixed income and and and, and also you know I mean, even though longer term return might be higher with inequities you know and we and they suffered terrible losses in the bond market t- um, two years ago the fact that you have you know they're able to put money to work at these higher yields it, it makes um, you know it, it's great I mean like you actually want higher yields over the long term right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, as a, I mean, bond if you have a permanent, if you have a permanent pool of capital, that's what you're pulling for. Absolutely. I mean, it, it was nobody liked experiencing 22 when, when rates yeah. went up and, and bonds went down. But as a long term bond investor, to your point, I mean, it's it's the yield that you're buying in at. And it's kind of this point forward that you're looking at. And those higher yields that we're, we're seeing in the marketplace now are are, are great for investors right. that, that have that fixed um, income need. Right. Right. And what about China? Just, you just I just love to hear y'all's your, your macro or micro thoughts on that. As as at what 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 is the impact to the investment world as a whole? To the you know with China this emerging economic. Yeah. Well, I mean, going back for decades, I mean, everybody's been. It's been a great expansion story. It's been great for the 
you know, all the sewer for the Chinese people to have been lifted out of, you know, what was abject poverty, you know, 30 years ago. Um, it's been, I, I think that, I think obviously the fear uh, is that, the, is that, you know, the, the party hardliners there have kind of tightened their grip on the economy and they've created this big, uh, this bubble in, in, uh, in real estate and property, you know, to kind of help, um, to, you know, boost uh, you know, employment and this, those sorts of sort of, you know, p- policy goals that, that, uh, you know, capital returns weren't driving those decisions. And so now you've got this, like, you know, colossal property bubble, you know, and, and in China, you know, there's a lot of wealth management products that are tied to real estate. And those are in very, you know, very dire circumstances right now. And so, you know, the fear is that uh, uh, you know, how long does it take uh, for them to dig themselves out of that hole? You know, is it a, is it a source of, of growth for, you know, U.S. multinationals that are there? I just, I think that, um, certainly, the conventional wisdom is that you know the, the near term doesn't look as good, but you know we're not. I'm not trying to make a big market call on China, but that's you know I think that people are have, have had to dial back expectations of you know growth coming from China as, as it might show up in uh, as it might show up on, on the P and L of a, of, a, of a company that they own in a mutual fund or an index fund. So that's 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 just my personal view. No, no, I, th- I think you're spot on. I, I think it's. Um, I mean, there's a lot to be made about the size of. Uh, China's economy. I mean, they're 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 obviously the economy is growing. They've got a billion, you know, plus people there. And as as Burke said, we've seen a rising middle class. Um, but it's important to remember there's a, a difference between the economy and and the capital market returns in the, in that country. That's an excellent point. And so you know, there's no doubt China. It's it's kind of like the we were talking about the big tech names. I mean, there's no doubt there's huge opportunity there and there's growth, but. Um, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee that there's going to be some, you know, you don't want to put all your eggs in the China basket either because, you know, they could, they're just as susceptible to anybody to an economic pullback or a, a market correction. So, uh, again, it comes, all comes back to the, the uh, idea of diversification. Right. And at some point there'll be a valuation where perhaps, you know, China's worth, you know, taking a big look at if you're, you know, international active investor, but I don't know what that valuation is. At some point you're, you're compensated by, you know, the, the black box, you know, that is China Mm -hmm. in some point, but, you know, but I don't, you know, I'm not advocating. I'm just saying that it's, you know, if if we believe that valuations matter for everything and which we do, then at some point it would make sense that you'd be compensated, but I just don't know how you, 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 uh, you put that alongside with the lack of information that comes out of it. So I don't know. Yeah, well, I've, I've always been kind of a China bear, but yeah. <laughs> I've been—I was wrong for a long, long time too. So who knows? So, but but you know, just going back to our, our the way that we're kind of positioned going into the year. I mean, you know, we we talk a lot about our tilts, you know, value over growth. We you know we have growth, but we we tilt toward value and small cap over large cap, you know, and sort of quality over the more speculative issues. And and it's it's hard not to be pretty primed about the way this year kind of is teed up for us. I mean, I just, just personally, I just feel like that, you know, when you've got such extreme valuations, you know, uh, you know, where we are under indexed, um, you know, I feel really good about it, the way our value tilts till, you know, uh, situated this year. When you look at, you know, it, it being as, as undervalued versus growth as it's been since the dot-com bubble, you know, it, it, to me, that all makes sense. I mean, again, not making a call, but like it feels you know, it feels right. <laughs> you yeah. know, is it different this time? I don't know, but but it, yeah. I, I like the way that we're positioned. Um, and uh, and by that and, you and mean the, the lower for, valuations are available out there that we're buying 
You, I right. mean, bottom line, we want to buy low and sell high. <laughs> right. Well, and you, and you think it's out there for the for well, the and, and it's it's not so much that that the value stocks are, are historically inexpensive, but they are historically inexpensive versus, versus the top versus the you top. Know? And right. it's like Charlie Munger says, it's like you know, show me where I'd go to die, and then I'd never go there. Yeah. And it sounds silly, <laughs> but it's like, well, you know, should I should I load up into into large cap growth at twelve times book? I mean, it seems like a good place to go to die. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so I don't know, but but that's that's uh. I, I like the way that we're kind of, I like where we're positioned versus the index, you know, and and the same goes true for, you know, for our small cap tilt, you know, with with rates, with the market, you know, pricing in, uh, multiple rate cuts next year. Like I like I like being there. So I mean, this this is these are just these are just my qualitative observations. Yeah. But I, I I happen to think that that we're positioned well. Well, I think the the Charlie Munger. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of segue rest off of peace. that. Rest May in rest peace. May he rest in peace. Uh, no, I, we were chatting before we kind of went live here about a, a piece in the journal over the weekend. Um, but, you know, Charlie Munger was, they'd asked him about value and, if you know, what, what about this rut and value? And, and he said, you know, I think, you know, a lot of, sometimes um, you kind of think of it as a lot of the, the low-hanging fruit has been picked. And so value investors may need to prepare for maybe some lower returns. And I think, you know, that's that may sound frustrating to hear, but I think again you have to look at it relative to growth. Mm-hmm. And so if 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 I'm going to get maybe six percent in a value name versus eight percent, that's not great. But if it's the alternative is being off twenty five percent because there's a correction in growth, right? That six percent sounds pretty good, right? You know, right. So, uh, but but you know, as Burke said, I mean, it's, it's really hard to make the case for piling into to large growth today, um, just given where valuations are. Right. Right. Is it? Is it? I mean, it just seems like a silly time to be the hare versus the the tortoise. Exactly. Yeah. Spot on. Spot <laughs> yeah. On. I mean, I, yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, we have. A, I would like to think a very sophisticated listening audience, but there's a lot of people who don't still don't know who Charlie Munger was, or, or, or he just passed away at eight. Was he one? Was he hundred? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. Just just a few weeks shy of his hundredth birthday. Just about everybody who. Who knows anything about investing knows who Warren Buffett is, mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't know that Charlie Munger was his right hand man and, yep. and was just as brilliant, every bit as brilliant Absolutely. as Warren Buffett. And what a great, uh, what a great linguist! I mean, the guy could yeah. he could tell a story and and, and yeah, he was the best. I mean, he I mean, was he was just awesome. Yeah. And and with his passing, it's it's yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think I've told you like I carry a I carry his. Book around. I carry a book that was given to me that, that contained his, you know, a lot of his essays and sort of graduation speeches around with me. Just as, it's almost like a like a talisman to ward yeah. off bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Maybe, I mean, it's great. You know, maybe I need to carry it with me everywhere I go. But but, yeah. but, uh, but it's you know, and I think Bob would say that he was far more. Uh, far more self-educated on such a broad number of topics than, than Buffett is. I mean, I think, yeah. I think Warren would say that. Um, but, and you know, his, his wisdom extends beyond just investing. It's really just sort of like how to make good decisions. And yeah. if, if you apply good that, life decisions. Well, yeah, yeah. if you apply right. that framework to investing, it, mm-hmm. it happens to work, mm-hmm. you know. And so, uh, um, I don't know, it's... it's, uh, it's yeah, it, I would highly recommend if if, if you ever... If if you're ever wondering about the markets, whatever, and go to YouTube and just pull up Charlie Munger, and they'll have all these little snippets of yeah. conversations during their annual meeting yeah. that I've just always been blown away with how how, how dead on he is with oh, so yeah. many perceptions so uh, yeah. of, of different things. So our well, shout out to Mr. That's Anders. right. That's so. right. Well, at this point, I'll, this is what he would always say during the during. I used to go to the Berkshire <laughs> meetings a lot, and if, if he didn't have anything to comment. 
you know, he would just say, I have nothing further to add. <laughs> and so I think we've reached the point where maybe we have nothing, nothing to add. So, but we'll, we'll sign off. But, yeah. uh, but listen, it's been great being with you guys this morning. Dan, thanks Likewise. for being here. Of course. Bill? The only thing I'd like to add is Happy New Year. It's yes. a pleasure working with my, my colleagues here. And I wish all of our listeners a Happy New Year also. Indeed. Indeed. All right, Dan. Good seeing you. Thanks for coming. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. All righty. Thanks for being with us, Dan. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Trust Company Talks. These opinions are intended as entertainment. Any opinions expressed on this podcast by Bill Noble, Burke Coons, or anyone else are not necessarily those of Trust Company of the South. There is no guarantee that these statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be accurate. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision and does not constitute a recommendation. These materials are not intended to be tax or legal advice, and readers are encouraged to consult their own legal tax and investment advisor before implementing any financial strategy.